0: The value of an investment of St. James's Place will be directly linked to the performance of the funds selected and may fall as well as rise. You may get back less than the amount invested. The levels and basis of taxation and reliefs from taxation can change at any time and are dependent on individual circumstances. Three Nines is a trading name of eight Wealth Management Limited, who are an appointed representative of and represent only St. James's Place Wealth Management PLC, who are authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. If you're a police officer or currently working in law enforcement and you're considering a new career, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Andy Lobron. Welcome to the Blue Light Leavers Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 61 of the Blue Light Leavers Podcast. Now, this one really is a bit special, and uh, this is going to help a huge amount of people. Um, today, we're talking pensions. And uh, I'm really, really fortunate to uh, be speaking to Rob Heath. Now, Rob is a former police officer who retired on ill health after 23 years service, and he's now the lead financial advisor of uh, Three Nines Financial Planning. Now, Three Nines offer bespoke financial planning for police and emergency services personnel, and Rob is a pensions expert. He delivers um, pension presentations across the UK for resettlement training. He also uh, speaks personally with uh, people and groups at uh, Flint House, and um, he's a, just an all-around top bloke. Now, the challenge we have here is that a lot of advice and guidance is obviously based on your personal circumstances and uh, you know what your goals and your needs are. So what we've tried to do is answer all of the pension-related questions that were asked within the Blue Light Leavers Group. And what we've also tried to do is deal with some common themes and do some myth-busting as well along the way. Now, within this episode, we talk about that sweet spot Of when you should go, we talk about the eighty-seven zero six and the twenty fifteen pension schemes. Um, We also talk about the fact that it's really bad advice that uh, do not retire the day before your fifty fifth birthday. We also talk about the risks associated with opting out of the twenty fifteen scheme. We talk about the pension trap, and we also talk about for those people who have less than two years service, and who maybe decide that um, you know policing isn't for them, the options for them in terms of uh, getting access to their pension, their contributions. We talk about why having 25 years service and being age 50 is becoming much more relevant. And then what we also do is talk about uh, becoming a financial advisor as a career path and potential career path and, um, and something that, um, that Rob talks about is something called the Aspiring Advisor Programme. It's a brilliant interview. I'm so grateful to Rob for his time and, uh, and obviously for sharing his expert knowledge. Let's go over to Rob now. Now, just before we head over to the interview, I just want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by the brilliant Motorsource Group, who, like Blue Light Leavers, are very proud sponsors of the Emergency Services Football League. Now, I've met CEO Steve Thornton a number of times now, and I've also interviewed him for the podcast, and I've also met the team, and I've been up to their head office, and they're just a really lovely bunch of people who are genuinely doing the right thing and doing their bit to say thanks. Now, MotorSource Group offer genuine new car discounts to serving and retired emergency services personnel, including police, NHS, fire and rescue, and prison service. They're completely independent, offering a full range of makes and models, and are rated excellent by their customers on Trustpilot. They also work closely with the police federation and with Napo, and they deliver direct to your door. I promise you, you will make savings. Now, to find out more, go to bluelightleavers.com forward slash partners. That's bluelightleavers.com forward slash partners. Rob, thanks so much for joining us on the Blue Light Levers podcast. It is amazing to have you here. And, and this is going to be the episode that everyone is really looking forward to because, um, you know, we get so many questions. Within the Blue Light Leavers Facebook group, and obviously through emails and conversations I have as well around the pension. And uh, I know this is something that has um, you know, a real passion of yours as well. And um, so it'd be fantastic to get some help, support, and guidance from you and uh, and and give people an idea and, and maybe do a bit of myth busting and that type of stuff as well. So it's fantastic to have you Thank you, mate.
1: That's great. It's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Um, you've really set me up now. No pressure at all, you say, really. So <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do you there, see what I can do. <laughs>
0: Thanks, Rob. And, um, you know, obviously, before we go into uh, the pension advice and guidance, it'd be great for people to know a bit more about you. Um, if we if we start where you currently are, actually, what you're currently doing, and then we'll talk about your police career, if that's okay. Okay.
1: So I'm now financial advisor with a, a company called, um, well, a brand of Three Nines Financial Planning. Um, it's actually a sub-brand of Eight Wealth Management, who is uh, they're a partner practice of St. James's Place. All a bit confusing, I know. The reason I set up 12 months ago the Three Nines brand is because of my background as in the job myself, um, and how the focus, particularly around the confusion and the concerns around the police pensions, over the last few years. I mean, the vast majority now of people I speak to are officers and retired police officers, and helping them understand the, the sort of the intricacies of that. Putting the brand uh, together has enabled me to get a number of other advisors on board as well. So there's currently five of us now because, to be honest, the volume of officers come in that want our help was mm. just too much for me to deal with on my own. So I've managed to um, get some really good experienced officer, uh, other advisors on board and kind of get them up to speed. Um, in terms of police pensions, but also me learning from them, a couple of them particularly with significant experiences, financial advisors. So we kind of learn together, which is which is great, enabling us to give the best advice we can to, like I said, officers and and officers uh, recently retired as well. So mm-hmm.
0: yeah, that's great, and and you've got a, an amazing reputation. You you have been mentioned in the group as you know, both personally and as a brand as well. So uh, it's um, yeah, it's an absolute. Pleasure to have you here, and uh, and, to, and to be able to um, you know obviously answer people's questions as well is fantastic. Mm. So, um, your policing career now, and um, what was it that you were doing, and um, and and what was the reason why you left?
1: So, I uh, was a Hampshire officer. I left five and a half years ago, or early, very early in 2017. Um, spent most of my career in uniform, although the last time, last couple of years, I moved over to CID. Um, I left I did 23 years I left through ill health um, which often is a subject we don't talk too much about I'm happy to share you know what it is I've got arthritis in my hips I've now I'd had a hip replacement I've subsequently since I left had another hip replacement but what it meant was that physically I couldn't be a police officer but I still felt when I left I felt young enough that I had something else to offer. And um, yeah, so I had a, a wide ranging career in all sorts of different roles over that time. Um, enjoyed the most of my career, to, to be honest, towards the end, you know, the stress and the pressure and the workload. I mean, no different, to be honest, what I hear every day from the police officers I speak to. Um, but what it's enabled me to do is, you know, with the role I'm now in, is give something back and be able to help officers and my ex-colleagues to, you know, put them in a in a better, more informed position of planning for their future. Cause I really didn't have that too much. Mm-hmm. You know, I left. I the fact is I left after um putting in for my paperwork three and a half months later, I was out, didn't really understand how my pension worked, didn't wow. really know which box to tick on the form, kind of guided by, you know, people you work with. Um, really it was uh you know, I it would have been useful to have me now back then helping me understand what my options were there. So I was kind of fudged through the end in all honesty, but going through what I went through has helped me understand first of all the obviously going through the health process myself, knowing the stresses and strains of that, how it works. Linking in a lot more. Although I don't get an injury on duty payment because mine was nothing, my injuries were nothing to do with, with that. But it's kind of helps me an awful lot um, empathize and help officers understand the process and support mm. them through the ill health process, as well as obviously others just leaving through ordinary retirement and such like.
0: Mm. Yeah, that, that insight must be really helpful because um, you know, I, I get contacted a lot by people who are going through that process. And it's um it's Unbelievably traumatic. It's really, really stressful. And um, and you know, the support and guidance, there's a few there that are, that are helping, but it's you know, if you don't know where to go, it can be very, very challenging. And I think, like you say, you know, that financial future as well is um is really key to have the right knowledge and expertise to be able to give you that support. So um it's, yeah. you know, you having that insight as well is is so valuable, it's fantastic.
1: Yeah. So just to give an idea of the obvious question is. How on earth I ended up as a financial advisor from being a police officer? Because I've just indicated there a couple of minutes ago that I really didn't understand my pension. Okay, so I've got no background in finance. Um That was never the plan. I've always had an interest in it and interest in maths, numbers, etc. But it wasn't as if I've had a previous career in the finance industry or anything like that. Just if you don't mind, just a quick, uh, a few seconds on on how I came to be in this role, really. Absolutely. So. Yeah, A couple of weeks before I left, and literally it was two weeks before I left the job, um, I was uh, fortunate to have a good friend who said, uh, you need to speak to a financial advisor. Um, It was never my plan. Uh, My friend told me I should. Um, So within a couple of days, I'd had a call, and the following week, I was speaking to an advisor. um, And that was Sasha, who's now slightly ironically part of the three nines team as well and um, which is fantastic to have her Mm -hmm. on board Mm -hmm. but my wife and I met Sasha uh, a week or so later and um, to be honest after the first meeting we walked out of that and we both said to each other why didn't we do this 20 years ago and in all honesty I what I now know I know that I would have been in a stronger financial position now if I'd have spoken to an advisor 20 years ago just because of being aware of Tax breaks, other things to consider longer term planning and such like. But on the back of that conversation, I then, uh, my wife and I became clients of Sasha. And uh, over the next six months or so, there's only so much golf you can play before uh, you get a bit bored. And I felt I needed a new challenge, had a further conversation with with Sasha. And we realized there's such a big overlap with um, how uh, police officers' skills and knowledge compared to what I do now. And, you know, it's about helping people. It's problem solving, conflict management building, trust building, relationships. That's an awful lot of what I do now and what I did and what, you know, we all do as as police mm-hmm. officers. So it kind of was the natural progression, even though it didn't feel like it at all. And um, so I did six months study up in London to get my diploma in financial planning. And um, I guess on the back of that, just because of where my network was as as police officers, um, over the following six, 12 months, I was just then asked more and more questions about how does police pension work, what's happening with this, when's the best time to go, the usual questions that I'm hearing on a daily basis now. So because of that, I've built up my knowledge, um, experience over the last now four years of dealing with police pensions. And um, so hopefully it's putting me in a position that, Mm. I'm able to give the best advice, and like I said, it helps officers make informed decisions of the best time to go and what's the right thing for them to do. Mm-hmm.
0: And getting it from someone who who knows and who's been there as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Incredible. Yeah. Um, so we have had numerous questions, as I said uh, right at the start of the episode, that um, relating to pension, and you know clearly the changes and some of the things that have gone on have, uh, are causing. You know, considerable concern and worry, and and there's there's sort of a bit, of, you know, a few rumours and other things flying around about yeah. you know what it is and what it isn't, and um, so it'd be really helpful to to set out. Um, I'm just going to hand it to you, Rob, because you know okay. far better than I do what the key points are, and and we shared those questions obviously with you, and you said there a number of key themes from that as well, and we'll, we'll draw those out as we uh, as we talk through. But uh, where's the best place for you to start?
1: okay um yeah I think it's just what you've just said there picking out a couple of the main themes there and linking that to you know what I come across and how we feel we can help officers um I think probably the most common question is about when is the best time to go and it's some of the myths that we hear around that particularly around the 15 scheme when when officers can take the 15 scheme so I talk about this talking about an officer's sweet spot. Now, sometimes, often, it's fairly straightforward looking at when is an officer's sweet spot, when is the best time to go to maximise the pension opportunities. It doesn't necessarily mean it's all about getting the biggest pension possible, because if that's the case, um, you know, that's a different question to when is the individual's best time to go. The important thing, though, rather than tell you when it is, the important thing is it's down to each individual. And this is why it is quite difficult to answer on here specific officers' questions yeah, about what's right for them. Because we hear, I hear too often that someone says to me, my colleague has told me I should do this, or I've heard that from speaking to my sergeant, my inspector, whoever. Now, first of all, all I'd say is from what I hear the vast majority of police officers, especially the ones that want to tell the whole world this is the best thing to do, maybe don't really understand police pensions quite as well as they think they do. And the problem is, is if you're hearing that from someone who thinks they know what they're or sounds and say they know what they're talking about, you can make poor decisions for yourself. Because if you look at your, what is your family situation, how old are your kids, if you've got kids at all, what's your mortgage situation, what are your plans for the future? Are you loving the job? Are you looking at further promotion? Are you happy in the role that you're in? There's all sorts of factors that can come into it. So to be honest that is probably the main thing we look at and with the list of questions that you went through probably around half of it one way or the other are looking at it in terms of when should i go okay. okay so the fact is there are a number of things to consider with that and just a couple of things without going into too much detail um age 55 comes into it quite a lot one because it has a lot to do with the age 7 pension because it is deemed the compulsory retirement age as it's still called even though it's no longer compulsory but they just confuse us by continuing to call it the compulsory retirement age but it is only compulsory retirement age for sergeants and constables. For inspectors so I've had some interesting ones with sergeants looking at promotion and in fact one I told don't go for promotion because what you're doing you're extending your compulsory retirement age because he was some way short of his 30 years of service you extend your compulsory retirement age to 60. So actually, on the back of a conversation we had, he then pulled out of the um, upcoming inspector's board because he realised getting promoted wasn't going to do himself any favours. Wow. But ultimately, it would have given him a bigger pension. But it meant that he would have had to stay on a number of years longer, and he had other opportunities outside of policing. So age 50, five comes into it in terms of compulsory retirement age. But 30 years is very much still relevant for the 87 scheme now also throwing in the 87 scheme obviously there is very much the O6 scheme but because of the timing of it and obviously speaking to I speak to you know coming up to retirement the vast majority are in the 87 scheme so I appreciate a lot of what we talk about will be based on the 87 and obviously the 15 scheme less so with the O6 scheme even though there are, you know some really important points there as well. Mm-hmm. Age, age 55 comes into it very much so with the 15 scheme as well and this is the other bit of kind of the myth busting as you put it because so many people say oh, i can't can't take my 15 scheme till either 60 or state pension age which for somebody when they're late 40s or older is 67 for mid 40s and younger is 68 is pretty much how it stands at the moment so, <clears throat> so when your questions said well you know i've, I've now got a Wait until I'm 67 until I get my uh, 2015 pension. Fact is, that's not the case because you can claim it from age 55. There are reductions, quite significant reductions, it would be seen as, because if you leave at 55, then you're talking about a 25% reduction if you take it straight away. If you leave the job before 55, And when you take your 15 pension, if you took it at 55, it would be reduced by about 50%. Now, that sounds crazy, that amount Mm. reduction. Why would you do that? But the reality Mm. is, they say reduction. I prefer to see it as stretching it out because you're being paid it for 12 years longer. So, of course, you wouldn't expect to get paid the same amount for 12 years longer, would you, by making the same contribution levels? I think the, the worst bit of advice I ever heard, it was last year in the resettlement course that I was delivering in, in Hampshire. An officer said to me, I've been told the best day, time to leave is the day before my 55th birthday. Um, I mean, it, it, that is shockingly bad advice because leaving the day before your 55th birthday, first of all, if it's under the age seven scheme, you're limiting, if you haven't hit the 30 years, you're limiting the size of the lump sum you can get. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, under the 15 scheme, you're looking at taking your 15 scheme a day later with a 50% reduction rather than waiting a day and only having a 25% reduction. I'm using round figures. They're not exactly like that, but it's easier just talking round figures. So, you know, the sweet spot is really important. The age is to consider and linking the 87 in the 15 scheme together as to working out how best to go with it. So because, for example, another example, if you're hitting 30 years of service at, say, age 54, you're only 12 months away of hitting 55. So therefore, the impact on your 15 pension could be quite positive if you stay another 12 months. If you if you joined quite young, and let's say we know, you know a number of officers who joined, say, at 19, therefore they're hitting their 30 years at 49. To stay on an extra six years of not having access to that lump sum, not having access to that annual pension for an extra six years for the sake of waiting for the 15 pension to be reduced by a little bit less is get out the door at 49. Absolutely. Do your 30, Mm. set your pension, go off and do whatever else you want to do, you know, Mm. follow another career path, a a hobby, a different passion, whatever it is. Mm. So it's so important to not listen to others. Even if they do know what they're talking about, they almost certainly don't know your personal circumstances. And therefore, it's linking those options to whatever your overall financial position and is and what you're trying to achieve in life as well. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so important with a one-to-one, where we go through with what's important to you, how does your police pension and the timing and the options around that fit with those that position that you find yourself in. Yeah?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
1: So there's a couple of things. Now, um, one really important point, it was only brought up in one of the questions that you sent through to me, but it has come up a number of times, and that is to do with the option of um, opting out of the 15 scheme because I, I've, I haven't heard it so much recently, but I did hear it last year a few times, the 2015 scheme is a rubbish pension scheme what's the point in paying and you're wasting your money it's that kind of language that i've heard sometimes stronger language than that there are some really important reasons to stay in the 15 scheme even though it's going to be a could be for a relatively short period of time and then in the big scheme of things it might not be worth very much i think one important thing is the fact of thinking about how the 87 and the 06 scheme works both being final salary schemes. And one thing that some officers don't understand is that they are final salary schemes based on your final salary when you leave the job, not when you've left the H7 or the O6 scheme. But they're based on your final salary as long as you remain an active member of a pension scheme. Okay, So if you are no longer part of the 15 scheme for your last 12 months, two years of service, and you left on, let's say you left on the 31st of March, it's going to be based on what you earned in the last 12 months of your service up to 31st of March this year. Bearing in mind, there's been the £1,900 pay rise, which I appreciate. For um, In the big scheme of things, is not a huge rise, but that can have a positive impact on your pension mm. as long as you remain an active member of the 15 scheme. So hugely important to stay, in, even if it was for that reason alone, to carry on in the 15 scheme. But a couple of other things to bear in mind with it. Staying in the 15 scheme or any other pension scheme, generally there's some sort of life insurance linked to it or death in service, as as it's talked about. Three times salary is, is, is the death in service payment. I I know the impact of this as well because within the last two weeks, I have um, sadly had to speak to um, uh, the wife of an officer who was killed on duty recently. Mm, yeah. Um he did. Ha- he was an active member of the pension scheme and therefore she has the payout. She had life insurance for him. The death in service paid out and unfortunately paid out very, very quickly as well. Okay. The difference between her and her children having enough money to get through, putting aside all the emotion of it, mm-hmm. um, if he hadn't have been in the pension scheme and hadn't had that, it would have had a devastating impact financially on them as well. So not to be underestimated. And also it's the should you be in a position where you have an accident on duty or in a position where you need to apply for ill health retirement, you'd find that there's no enhancement if you would be entitled to an enhancement under the 15 scheme pension. Mm. So there's potential for it to impact on your Ill, uh, and Ill health enhancement as well. And the bottom line is the 15 scheme is still a decent pension scheme. Again, not to be overlooked. In comparison to the 87 scheme, not so good. Yeah, the 87 scheme, in all honesty, is a gold plated Rolls Royce pension scheme. But the 15 scheme is perfectly comparable as a decent pension scheme if you compare it to what people would often call a a personal pension outside of policing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I've given a number of reasons there why opting out the 15 scheme for the sake of it's not worth it, it absolutely is. If you are considering it, please just. You know, don't make any decisions until you talk to somebody who can help you understand what the situation is and what you'd be potentially giving up. Okay. i um, just trying to think what other things to go through in terms of, uh, okay, one other question that came up there, and I'm going to defend a little bit um, some of the, the, the constabulary's pension teams, because I often hear I speak to my local pension team or I can't speak to them and I have to email them, however it works for your force. And I get told, well, we can't give advice and we can't give accurate figures because this pension remedy, the, the, um, you know, the, 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 the age discrimination, um, McLeod sergeant hearing stuff. The fact is it's really difficult for the pensions team when officers quite rightly want to know, what, which mm. is why we're talking today, you know, what's my pension actually going to look like if I retire next year I need to do some planning around what my lump sum is going to um, look like, etc. Yeah. The fact is, yes, it is in a complete mess with where we're at with this age discrimination pension remedy. As it's set up at the moment, because it's not yet in legislation, even though it's been agreed, yes, there are still challenges going on and it could change. I can only go by what I'm aware of now and what I'm told this is how it is. So the pensions team, if you had, for example, if you were moved on to the 2015 scheme in April 15, you've been on the 15 scheme for the last seven and a half years. Under the remedy, you're going to go back. As long as you join the job uh, before 2012, you're going to go back on your old scheme up until the end of March this year. But because that part hasn't yet been agreed in legislation, the pensions team can't give you a quote for that. Mm. And because also they're not qualified advisors, they're not allowed in law to give advice around it. So all they can say is, this is what it looks like if you left today with your pension up to either. April 2015 on the 87 scheme, or if a lot of officers obviously have tapered protection, up to your tapered dent. So it's not their fault that they can't provide those figures. It's purely no. how the setup is. Therefore, the obvious thing is, well, how do I get those figures?
2: Mm.
1: Well, to be honest, that's what me and my team work with officers all the time. Help me understand what the figures look like. Do we give accurate figures? accurate enough to make informed decisions, I would say it's impossible to know absolute accurate down to the penny. But you don't need to make plans knowing it down to the penny. Just a good guide of what sort of lump sum am I looking at? What sort of monthly income am I looking at? And I can help people understand what those figures are even if their local pensions team can't. Mm -hmm. Um, I think to be honest, Andy, I could talk all day about and there's this and there's that. Um, the important thing, I think, is just looking at it. I've covered it again, but just to summarize that part of it is getting individual advice is what's right for you. When we speak to officers, what they do, they'll contact us. We we send out a triage form and it helps us um, looking at how old they are when they join the job. Have they been part time working? Have they taken career breaks, uh, career aspirations, any further promotion, things like that? Mm. It helps us build a, a big picture of what the figures look like and therefore their sweet spot where it's more likely to be, although we can't identify that until we actually speak to them. So it's just hugely important to get one-to-one advice and what's right for them mm. is the bottom line out of all this, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's really helpful. And we'll we'll talk about how people can contact you as well at the end. We'll mention that. And um, um there's a couple of bits that that cropped up in my head as we were talking through that, Rob. And um I like said that sweet spot is is key, but obviously we hear about the pension trap regularly and and like you said, I guess it's generally speaking, it's 20 years plus who feel like they have absolutely no options and um you know they are stuck for however long it's going to be, like say whether it's 55 or or length of service. Hmm. Um you know, is there anything at all that we can talk about with regards to that pension trap? Is there any sort of advice and and guide, you know, we've talked about the sweet spot and and that it has to be on a on an individual basis um but if you leave if you've got 30 years coming up to 30 years service and you're leaving before that other sort of percentages of chunks if you like, like of what you're likely to lose um if you've been a do you see where i'm coming from i'm not describing it very well but it's sort of it's almost like 20 28 that we know that you know the last two years if you service at 28 to 30 is has a massive mm. impact on the lump sum and you know, if you're leaving at certain periods prior to that, roughly what you're likely to, to lose in terms of lump sum.
1: Okay. I, I, I hope that makes sense, I, mate, because you are... I'll pick not. some bones out of that and see Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. it. But one, one, <laughs> I mean, one thing that that, that springs to mind is, is um, this idea under the 87 scheme of this age 50 and 25 years service, okay? So... Just to be clear with what I'm going to talk about here. So if an officer leaves before 30 years or before their compulsory retirement age, um, then under the 87 scheme, in general, that would be deferred until age 60. Okay, unless they've got more than 25 years service and then it's deferred until age 50. Okay, so this is where this rule that a lot of people are aware of that may be dismissed quite quickly is this idea of if you tick two boxes of age 50 or over and 25 years service or over, then you can claim your 87 pension straight away. Okay, now, before April this year, that wasn't particularly popular with officers. And the main reason I think was is because before April, people were still... Well, if we take into account the pension remedy being retrospectively put back on the old scheme, they're still building up 87 pension. And particularly with more than 20 years service, what you're also getting at there, the double accrual part, each accounted as two sixtieths, not just one sixtieth of their final salary of pension. But come April, nobody's paying into the 87 scheme anymore. That's not increasing in value. Therefore, being able to access that pension quickly rather than wait until 55 may be of benefit to them especially if they're not really having a good time in the job anymore or they've got a good opportunity outside of policing to follow, like I said earlier, about follow a hobby, follow a passion of doing another job, or got a great opportunity, you know, with the network that they built up in their current role, whatever it is. So I think that age 50 and 25 years service is becoming a lot more relevant nowadays. And in fact, it was only yesterday I spoke to a Wiltshire sergeant about this and she thought she had six years to go. We looked at the fact that next year she's 50 and she's already got or will just have 25 years service, and we talked through the figures of that. Now, the important thing is the big downside to this is that you are limiting your lump sum if you take that option. And that limit is two and a quarter times your gross pension, okay? Now, if you compare that to if you were able to complete 30 years under the seven scheme, You could be looking at somewhere between 80 and 100,000 pounds difference in lump sum. And a lot of people focus on the lump sum, Mm. and I completely get why. But if you're in a position to leave five years earlier and take still a reasonable lump sum and a bigger annual pension because you're giving up less of your pension to achieve a smaller lump sum, Mm. actually, if you're going to live to your 80s and 90s, you could find yourself in a stronger position anyway because you've got a bigger pension and will, once you hit 55 anyway, go on up in line with inflation, Mm. especially when you take into account where inflation is. And obviously, it was only yesterday that we now know that police pensions are going up by 10.1% in in April Mm. next year. Mm. Okay, So leaving earlier, yes, can have a significant impact on your lump sum. And that was often putting people off. But if you're keen to get out or you've got another opportunity outside of policing, don't dismiss it straight away. At least go through the figures to work out whether it suits your circumstances or not. Mm. Because you could find that actually it's not as bad as you thought or you're going to get a bit more on a monthly basis than you thought because you didn't realise that actually your monthly pension will be a bit bigger because of it. So there's all sorts of reasons, depending on... Kids, how old they are, university plans, all that sort of stuff, size of mortgage, what your other house plans are, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So there are issues on leaving early that you may be giving up too much and it's not affordable. But why not at least know where the corners are before you know which corners to cut or what your best options and what works for you?
0: I think that's going to be so exciting for people because I think people will feel that they exactly as, you know, your, your Sergeant yesterday, they'll feel this is it. This is where I am for another six years. And actually mm-hmm. when you, you know, by sitting down with you and you've, you've told them that it's actually 11 months and that's, that's incredible. That really is. So uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely yeah. amazing. Um Well done on picking the bones out of what it was I was trying to ask. <laughs> I'm glad you understood it better than I said. So well done. That's that's very impressive. Very impressive. Um, something else I come across a lot, Rob, is um, and I've, I see some sort of guidance—I'll so call it guidance—in inverted commas, really. Um, but with regards to, and this happens particularly with um, with female officers, actually, after um, uh, after maternity leave and such like, and we get a lot of people talking about opting out altogether, and particularly when times are tough. And and you know, Claire and I things incredibly tough and um and you know you look at all options including opting out of the pension altogether because mm-hmm. you know you, people are struggling and obviously with with things as they are at the moment and so much uncertainty and obviously the day we're recording this is when Liz trust has just resigned so there's lots of stuff <laughs> going on uh, in the background as well and um so you know people opting out altogether and i've seen you know guidance around opting out and investing elsewhere and putting into property or it's putting into you know um Investment officers and these sort of things. Any thoughts?
1: Yeah, plenty yeah. of thoughts. Yeah, sure. Any, anything <laughs> um, you can talk about with that? <laughs> absolutely. In general, opting out, I don't think is the best idea at all. Um, certainly, younger officers. I'm. I've had a number of younger officers, or, or you know, people just joined the job, said I can't afford to to pay into it. Initially. I mean, I understand that. It's not the biggest way to start with whatever 23, 24 grand to start off with, especially if you're you're taking a pay cut coming from a different career and you've got a young family or whatever it is. I get that completely. And sometimes I say, yeah, if you can't afford to give up a few hundred pounds a month, then fair enough. But set yourself a deadline of when you do need to get back in. Because I always say to them 30, 40 years from now, you will regret it if you leave it too long. Mm -hmm. Okay. In fact, I recently spoke to, I can't remember, I think it was a Leicester officer, I think it was, who for the first eight years of his career opted out. And he's now at the point of 30 years, and he's now got to work till 55, um, rather than he could have gone with his full 30-year pension right now. Mm. And he said to me, and this was only about two months ago, I spoke to him, he said, the biggest regret I've had in my career is leaving it too long before I opted into the pension he had this plan of, I'll do it for two years, but then he got used to that extra Mm. few hundred quid a month. Mm. Okay. So it's hugely important if you're going to opt out at the beginning to have a date that you stick to, to get back in. Okay. Opting out, especially under the 15 scheme, because it's not as good as the H7 or the O6 scheme. Again, I come across that not as regularly, fortunately, as as you would think. Um, But why is that not a good idea? Okay. Now, Officers pay an awful lot into their pension. I get that completely. Um, up to chief inspector, 13.44% of your, your salary goes into it. That's a lot. 3078 above, or above 60K, so generally chief inspectors and above. That's a hell of a lot of your pension that you could save. But don't lose sight of the fact that the constabulary, the employer, puts in another roughly 16% of your salary, kind of. I say kind of because it doesn't quite work like that because it's based on career average, but essentially that's what it is. And you get the tax relief on it as well, okay? Mm. So getting the tax relief, if you if you took that out, the, say, 500 a month you put in, if you're a basic rate taxpayer, you're only getting paid 400 because you've got to pay the tax on it. Mm. If you then go and put that in an ISA, which is all well and good, depending on the ISA you put it in, don't even bother, Talking to me about cash ISIS because mm. with interest rates where they're at and especially with inflation where it's currently at at the moment, not so much. But the fact is, so you're giving up tax relief and you're giving up an employer contribution as well. Okay, so setting yourself up for the future, you're not doing yourself any favours. Now that's not to say you could be really focused on finances and have some other lucrative idea and get lucky, whatever it is, and you could do very well and. Good luck to you if you do. But in general, when people talk to me about opting out, I just think really be careful with it. If there is no other way that you see yourself getting through on a monthly basis, fair enough. Mm -hmm. But if you are going to do it, have that target date to get back in. Come what may, do not get used to the extra money, the extra few hundred quid you're going to have on a monthly basis because you will regret it when retirement comes.
0: Mm -hmm. That's great advice. Thanks for that. And you also touched on, um, and I've had this as well very, very recently, where uh, I've an officer contact me who is literally within the first two, three years of service, um, who has been paying into the pension scheme, and just you know, can they? The question was relating to whether they can, if they leave the job, can they access it now to help fund other things, or do they have to wait until they're sixty? What happens with with officers who who leave early?
1: Okay, so if they leave with less than two years service they can get a refund on their pension, Okay, So you just get it back essentially as cash. You need to apply for it and it needs to be agreed. But in general, the guidance says less than two years service, you can get it back. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you get it back, you will have to pay it as taxable income. So mm-hmm. therefore, you'll get it back and you'll have the 20 or 40%... Return, well, if they just joined obviously as a mm-hmm. as a constable, 20% tax back on it. If it's more than two years, um, I suspect they could at least ask if it's just over two years, but the reality is the guidance says two years or less. Mm. So, therefore, if it's more, then it's uh, under the 15 scheme, it would therefore be a deferred pension. And, again, those fall within the rules because they're leaving for age 55. It's deferred until state pension age. The young officer now, you would generally look at 68 being state mm. pension age for them. Mm. But, again, the rules allow to take it at age 55. So you certainly wouldn't be able to um, access it as a pension before age 55, mm. which might sound awful. But the fact is, if they're going off to do another career, they'd be paying into a separate pension scheme. They're going to be doing other work and another salary. And then it will build up. Police officers get too used to this idea of finishing work early 50s, mid 50s. And, um, but that's not the norm in the private sector, is it? Mm. You know, people mm. think, oh, I'm working until 60, 65 or, or state pension age. Um, Often police officers do leave and go and do some other work, do some other paid employment, often too, 60 or early 60s, something Mm. like that. Mm. So having that pension is fantastic, um, but deferring it if you need to until state pension age, especially if it's only for a couple of years, if it's not right for you to be a police officer, then go off and you can do something else. And, you know, it's it's a long old career. If you're not enjoying it at the beginning, you certainly oh, won't sorry. be enjoying it 30 years later. Yeah. So I, I'd say hats off to somebody if they try the job. And there was one, one question on there, wasn't it, that you sent through that said, I've realised the job isn't for me. And fair play to them putting their hands up and realising that. Um, apply, get the money paid back to you if you can. Um, if not, leave it in there. It will be worth what it will be worth as and when you come to take it. That's great. Yeah, I completely
0: agree. Completely agree. Thanks for that, Rob. That's really, really helpful. Um, anything that you feel we've missed before we move on to the next section?
1: Just one thing I'm going to touch on, but I'm not going to go into it in much detail, Mm -hmm. and that's around, I think it was mentioned once on your questions, around breaches of the annual allowance or lifetime allowance.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I'm not going to mention it too much, one, because it doesn't affect many officers. Um, It used to be pretty much ACCs and above Mm
2: -hmm.
1: 10, 15 years ago. Now some chief inspectors are being caught out with it as well. It's a mess. It's a pain, um, but it is what it is. Those are HMRC rules at the moment. We hope they change soon because they can be a bit farcical in all honesty.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm not going to spend any time explaining how it works because it's far too complicated and it can only realistically be dealt with on a one-to-one basis. Mm-hmm. But if if an officer is in that position, that they've been caught out with an annual allowance breach and therefore a tax bill, it's just really important to get to one-to-one advice on the best way to deal with that. And often it's a case of, help me understand what it is, because often people are saying this can't be right. It can't be right because some of the figures are a bit silly and the calculation, in all honesty, is a bit stupid Mm. because it it just doesn't make sense. Mm. But if any officer has concerns over that, by all means, give us a shout and I can talk through that on a one-to-one basis. Thanks, Rob.
0: What I also wanted to do, as you know, is to cover... Uh, This is a career path as well, because I do get contacted fairly regularly So, do I know anyone who might be able to, you know, put in the direction of this type of career? And um, so, but but before we do that, I mean, that that has just been so insightful. Thank you so much. And I really hope that that's helped a lot of people to, to get a better understanding of exactly where they stand. And obviously we'll we'll be talking later on about how people can contact you and, um, but yeah, really helpful. Thanks so much for that. That was, that was absolutely superb. Cool. Um, yeah. For those that that may want to follow in your footsteps in terms of a career path, what would
1: you what would you suggest? I think realistically, I can just talk about how my path sort of it worked out mm-hmm. and things have changed a little bit since I went down the route I did. Um, but then I can throw in some some ideas as well with, you know, a more generic path, maybe. Mm-hmm. So as I said, because I'm linked to St. James's Place and James Place have an academy up in, well, uh, I think it's three or four parts of, of the UK. I, I went to the London one, um, stood up there for six months. So I applied, sent my CV in. And uh, two days later, to be honest, I was didn't know what was going on. I was sort of on the train up to London, um, about to be interviewed, thinking, hang on, I only sent me to CV in two days ago. Long and short of it is, I had to uh, be interviewed, as you would imagine, present a business case because I'm self-employed um, and was accepted on and then had to go through a number of exams as well as other um, kind of role playing, consider like part two. Sergeant inspector exams, that kind of um, those kind of exams as well. Mm. So I came out of it with my diploma. Now, what we now do differently in terms of our own practice at Eight Wealth Management is we have an aspiring advisor program, which is it does depend on obviously the individual and their background and their circumstances, but in general, it's a 12 month program. Um, and in fact, I've spoken to to an officer, a serving officer very recently said to me, I'm really interested in a career as a financial advisor. Um, I understand that you have this programme. How does it work and what's it all about? Mm-hmm. As it stands at the moment, how it is, it's, it, 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 it's a programme that the, the, the team will support the person through getting the exams, getting the appropriate experience, working with the teams within because at 8Wealth, we've got now, I think it's just over 100 staff. It's getting very significant because the amount of people that, that come and talk to us and want to help, which is fantastic. Mm. So you get to work with the different teams to have a much better understanding, far better than I had, because I was just thrown in, right, get on and do the job. So they have a much better understanding of the background of how it works and how the whole machine works, really. They get paid a salary to do that while studying. Okay. And then they can build up that that knowledge, work with advisors, shadow advisors, to then start to look at how does it work? How can we help clients before they then can then step out of that and start giving advice and, and helping people? Mm-hmm. So if somebody wants to go down that route in terms of my practice, then I'm very happy to talk to them about that. If it was a case of going down a separate route, because I'm part of St. James's Place, that's, that makes me not a... IFA as a lot of people um, consider it as independent financial advisor. If they were going down that route, it would be difficult for me to say exactly the best way for it, because mm. then it would just be a case of looking online, doing some research around what qualifications you need. But the reality is, if you want to be a financial advisor, you could just go and do some exams, get a certificate and say, right, now I'm giving financial advice. But where's your structure around mm. delivering that advice, doing the appropriate Admin, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, around that. Mm. So probably being attached to practice or at least a structure to know how it all works mm. would make more sense. So I can only talk yeah. about what I went through, but I think the the aspiring advisor program that we have now sets advisors up far better than I had. I kind of just stumbled my way through, learnt as I went along, mm. and I got myself in the position that I am now. But um, Bottom line is, if people do want, I'd be more than happy just to have a phone call a team, Zoom call, whatever, with somebody if they just want to chat about my experience, what mm. I think would be useful to them, and help them understand whether it's the right move for them.
0: Yeah, sure. Thanks, Rob. That's really helpful. The Aspiring Advisor Programme, does that, um, is there a cost
1: associated with that? Um, a cost to the individual?
0: Yeah. No. Although they're getting a salary and, and um, yeah. you know, so, yeah, I wasn't sure if there was, an, you know, sort of the application process or anything like that at all. I wasn't sure whether, you know, what the process would be for that.
1: No, be um, I think they I think they'd have to pay for the exams. Um yeah. and that's about it. Six exams that they do. Well there's more, a lot more they can do, but the, the basic ones to get your diploma is six exams. You'd have to pay for I think you pay for that yourself, but the support mm. you have around it is all included as part of Incredible. the programme. Yeah,
0: brilliant. Wow. Well, okay. That's excellent. Thank you for that. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely super. It really is the, the, um, yeah, just the insight, your level of knowledge. And uh, I know, you know, there's, I'm certain there's going to be a lot of people wanting to contact you. So <laughs> we need to be a little bit careful about uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the volume of people that may want to have some time with you. So, you know, please please bear that in mind. But what's going to be the best way of people um, connecting with you?
1: So probably the best way is through email, email, um, so, our email address that is managed by our, our team of, of PAs, uh, Eva, Julia, and Abigail, is info at three nines. That's the number three, N I N E S, as per somewhere I on the football shirt above my Yeah, head. I saw that. Brilliant. Um, yeah. That is the Hamshkin Sadbury football team that I sponsor. Fantastic. So, um, somebody said to me recently, Oh, do you sponsor Fulham? Yeah, right. <laughs> I wish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, in, info at three nines.co.uk. Mm. Um, if they email in saying, "Look, can I have uh, a meeting? This is my position," they'll be um, the PA's will send them a questionnaire, a triage form. I think I mentioned it a, few, uh, a little while ago. Yeah, just asking for certain information. It just makes us going into that that first meeting much much easier. We can have some some figures and some facts and figures prepared. Um, <clears throat> generally, what they'll do, they'll contact the officer and set up a. Usually, it's a one hour be uh, the Teams or Zoom meeting. Obviously, therefore, we can talk to people anywhere in the country. Um, if they are local and they would prefer a face-to-face in the office, then um, mm. that's absolutely something that, that we can do. Often what we find is further things will come out of that and often it isn't just about, this is how your pension works, good luck, off you go, enjoy the rest of your career in your retirement. Often there's follow-up about, right, how can we p- start putting a plan in place in terms of the overall family financial plan? So often it does lead to follow-up meetings. But just to be clear, I mean, I, you know, we I am self-employed. We are mm-hmm. dealing with this as a business. Um, there are fees linked to investments. So should we be in a position to make a recommendation? that the person should make an investment, then the fee structure would be fully explained at the time. Of course. If they then choose not to go ahead with that, then that's perfectly within their rights. It's their money ultimately, so fair enough. So Mm -hmm. it's fully transparent as best we possibly can make it. Mm -hmm. The important thing from my perspective is putting my ex-colleagues in a position where they're making an informed decision and being as open and transparent as we can throughout the whole process.
0: Great stuff. Love that. Thank you. Um, And ideally, I guess we'd we'd be looking to try and avoid sort of um, specific individual questions by email. Uh, I'm I'm just a bit worried, Rob, that that people might say, these are my circumstances, this is what I'm doing. And, you know, can you help? And I'm I'm just conscious that, you know, you you may well get a lot of inquiries. So I think going down a route, exactly as you say, of that one-to-one is going to be the best option rather than sort of people pinging through, you know, specific individual inquiries.
1: Yeah, I think it would, but it also to manage expectations. Currently, at the moment, I'm generally booked up four weeks or so in advance. Um, my colleagues sometimes may have a little bit more availability. Um, so it's just the expectation. Um, I have occasionally had an email say, Oh, you're free tomorrow. Uh, yeah. yeah, good luck with that one. Yeah. Um, you know, to give an idea, I speak, me personally, I speak to probably 12 to 15 officers a week. Um, on a one-to-one basis, as well as building in uh, career transition course or retirement courses, yeah. as well as um, finance surgeries and such like. So um, you may well have to wait a few weeks. In terms of when to think about it, if, you, if they are, obviously we deal with all sorts of uh, finance, but obviously today really is focusing on police pensions. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of when is the best time to plan, well, like I said about when I got advice, not two weeks before you retire, not yeah. a good way of doing it. But twelve to eighteen months before retirement probably is in a starting to put yourself in a position where you can then start putting things in place. So, so the plans then, um, you know, you're not rushing it at the mm-hmm. end. But mm-hmm. um, happy to talk to anybody who who wants our help, really. Great stuff.
0: Thanks, Rob. Thanks so much for your time. Very, very good of you. Really appreciate you. it. And uh, it's been great talking to you. And uh, I look forward to catching up again soon. Great stuff. Thanks, Andy. An incredible interview with Rob. And, uh, you know, when, when he spoke about um, the conversation that he had with Wiltshire Police Sergeant who thought that she had six years service uh, left... Um, but based on their goals and, and you know, what they could afford she was able to leave within 11 months is just fantastic and, and it's those sort of things that are so so helpful we've obviously uh, also given details and we'll give details within the show notes as well as to how he can access uh, and get access to Rob and his uh, advice and guidance as well but uh, amazing interview and just so great for his time if you like what you've heard then please leave a review and uh, leave a few kind words as well that'd be really good Because obviously, the more people that leave reviews and say nice things, then the more people, you know, the Apple algorithms and Spotify, they get it out to more people because it's relevant. So it really does have an impact. And, you know, I am genuinely so, so grateful that uh, that you listen to this episode and you listen to the podcast and and subscribe as well. It it means a huge amount to me and I really hope you find them useful. don't forget that uh, the doors to the Academy are now open and uh, so if you want to find out more about the Academy and what you can get from that and uh, what, what it will give you uh, and how it will prepare you for a career outside policing then go to com forward slash Academy and don't forget you can also join the private Facebook group as well through uh, facebook.com forward slash uh, groups forward slash leavers. thanks as always for listening really hope you've enjoyed it and we'll catch up again soon take care bye bye for now